Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Well, we are starting a new series uh, called Commission, The Lost, The Least, and The Found. So if this is your first time, you're popping in on the first of a real mini-series. It's just going to be a three, um, three-week message series about the lost one week, the least. The Bible, Matthew 25 says, who are the least of these? And then the found, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, we're the found. What's our responsibility in the kingdom? And so tonight we're talking about the lost and uh, Jesus, what he, his word says about that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. But do you realize that as you're going there, let me just tell you, uh, the state of New Hampshire is only 2% of the population would say that they are followers of Jesus or that they would have a Christian faith, only 2% of the entire state. And then it makes you wonder if you think of what's going on in our state, you know, why is their family life breaking down? Why is there an opioid crisis wreaking havoc in our state? Why, and unfortunately, this is sad news that we know we have a ministry in the halfway house for the women's prison, the women's halfway house, Shea Farm. And one of the ladies that we had the privilege of baptizing not too long ago, she just overdosed and died from drugs uh, two nights ago. And um, thankfully, I, I believe she knew the Lord, but even still, it's just, it's, it saddens my heart. You know, why is the foster care system overwhelmed? And actually, I just met a family here tonight that is doing their part to look after the little ones, and, and they have two foster kids, and Amazing, and Grace Capital Church is really taking an initiative this year to be a part of the solution for that. But you know, why why are why is our system overwhelmed? And we try to work on family reunification, but it's not happening. Why is it that you can find a website with fifty four kids that are representative from multiple of these New England states of kids of all ages and some who are old enough posting videos of themselves trying to sell somebody to say, pick me, I want to be adopted. Parents have lost their parental rights and they're free for adoption. And who, who's out there to care for them? There was a, a, a woman, woman that my wife knows really well and she says the, the state, at the state hospital, if you will, she's never seen the level of deep, deep depression that people are facing. And just two nights ago, um, I sat with a kindergarten teacher, thinking kindergarten. And uh, this, she says, it's really difficult this year. I've got these kids that are just wild. She says, actually, just this week, I had a kindergartner tell me to F you, and that he says, I'm going to cut you in half and watch you bleed out. Who says that? Where does that come from? You know, and those are just incredibly disturbing statistics and facts. And it makes us wonder, okay, is there a correlation with only 2% of the population knowing Jesus to what is going on in this world? I want to let you know that the time is short. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I do know that I feel like the time is getting short. The other thing, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a <laughs> you've heard me, but if you're new, you haven't heard me before. 
But I'm not a uh, fire and hell and brimstone kind of guy, right? I, we very rarely talk about it. But I also wonder if, if we don't talk about it enough because hell is real. And people who don't know Christ and they die, they will spend an eternity separated from God. In Revelation chapter 20, that's where I was having you turn. If you get there, I want to say Revelation 20 verse 10. And the devil who has deceived them. By the way, we'll be a deceiver, right? And I think he's deceiving so many. Chase after their own ways. But the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and they were tormented day and night forever and ever. So we say, yes, okay, that's, that's the fate of, of the evil one, great. But in verse 15, it says this, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So anyone who has not had the chance to receive Christ into their life, and I know there's a big theology. What about if a child dies and they have never had the opportunity? What happens to the tribe in a different part of the world and they never had the opportunity to know about Jesus? Do they really spend an eternity? I'm not going to get into that today, but we all know our family and friends who don't know Christ, and do we have a responsibility? Do we have a place in this story that God's heart wants to draw people to himself? Because this is God's heart. This is not a God that wants anybody to go to hell. This is a God who's God of love, who has this heart to say, please come in Second Peter verse 3. I mean, chapter 3, verse 9. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. In other words, he's quick to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should perish. No one. He's not wishing anybody should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Why? Because that creates a right relationship with our Father in heaven and secures a place in eternity with him. You see, the, the Jesus is the answer, right? We realize that Jesus is the answer to this world that's so hurting. Jesus is the answer. But it's easy to say that Jesus is the answer, but how do people get to know about Jesus? How many people came to Jesus because somebody introduced you to Jesus? Raise your hand. All right, there might be some people who had just an encounter and they came to Jesus on their own, but the majority of the time, people came to Christ through somebody else. And that's so important to know because the, question, the, the answer that we need to have, if Jesus is the answer and the majority of people come to Christ by somebody else, the question then is, if we have this huge need for people to come to Christ, how are we doing in bringing people to Christ. It's interesting, I wrote this message, and when I always write a message, I look at myself first, and I have to say, how well am I bringing my friends and family who don't know Jesus to Jesus? You see, when the lost are found, it's when the found find the lost. You want me to repeat that? The lost are found when the found find the lost. It's true. 
And Jesus tells us this in parables. If you, if you have your Bibles, again, turn to Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells two parables back to back, a parable of the lost sheep and a parable of the lost coin. A parable is a story that Jesus uses. These are Jesus' words, red letters in the Bible, to make a point to help us understand a theology of God, a concept of the kingdom of God, but he uses it in a way that people could understand. So these two parables is, you know, one of the lost sheep and then the lost coin. And and in this, you might be familiar with it, but let me just read it real quick. What man, starting in verse four, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that's lost until he is, until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Now, this is interesting because if you look in in, right before verse 5 in chapter 4, it says, Go after the one that is lost. That's an action for us to go after the one that was lost. Now, some will say, well, there were 99 and one was lost. Does that mean it's the one, they were already a Christian and they strayed off. We got to go after the one strayed. If you keep looking at the whole parable, it says, I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people. It's talking about the person that was lost. The interesting thing, he asks the shepherd to go after the one. And who's the shepherd? I would say that we all, if we care for people, that we are all shepherds in some degree. And it would be our responsibility to go after the lost one. Now, interestingly enough, he gives you another parable. He's thinking, okay, if you don't quite get the parable of the lost sheep, let me tell you another story. Would be Jesus's thought on that. Okay, so he goes on this. Let's read in verse 8. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, it's interesting, both one sheep, one coin, basically he's talking about the value of one, right? The one person, he thought so much of you. He sent somebody to you that you're now sitting here worshiping Jesus. He cares about the one. He cares about everyone. So, Or what woman having 10 silver coins loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Same ending of the story tells a little bit of a different kind of story. But here he says, she seeks diligently until she finds it. There's something about this diligence, this sense of urgency, this sense of like, I can't, I can't just live life normally until I find the lost something. In this situation, the lost one, the lost person who doesn't know Christ. 
So, so how do you do that? I think, I think everybody would probably nod their head in this and say, yeah, I agree. But what happens is we get paralyzed and say, well, but how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, tonight, in just like a few moments, I'm going to tell you a great way to do it. You know, in many ways, first of all, as followers of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I'm glad that you're here and you're checking him out. We have people, especially on Sundays, much larger crowds on Sundays, but typically every Sunday, somebody comes to Christ and we love it. And the angels in heaven are rejoicing as the word of God says. But not always do people come to Christ by just coming to church. So it is a part of it to say, hey, would you like to come to church with me sometime? By the way, look at all the seats. There's room for you to invite people. On Sundays, there's very little seats for people. And we're going to have to go to two services. By the way, we're going to two services on Sunday in February. Probably doesn't affect you if you're just here on Thursdays. But um, there's room. There's room here to invite people to come to church. But it's so much more than that. So as a follower of Jesus, you should have a level of peace about you, right? Should have some joy, should have some, you know, you're just not living in a chaotic place all the time. You just have a a calm about you that should somebody say like, what's kind of different about you? Why are you not freaked out all the time? Because I know I am. Why aren't you popping all those depression medications? Like you just seem happy all the time. What's going on? And then this is how you, that's your opener, right? When somebody says, what's going on? Are you going on a trip or like a missions trip? We have a team going to Haiti on Saturday and, and somebody says like, you just go on a vacation? No, let me tell you, you look for those openings. Then there was once an opening, this is what you want to do. If you take notes, this is really easy for you. This is where you'd be able to say, well, I'll tell you what. The, once they give you an opening, say, My life wasn't always like that, because guess what? We all have a BC story, right, don't we? A before Christ story, what our life was like before Jesus entered the picture. My life was not always like that. I had a life-changing experience with God. Can I share my story? Now, you ask the question because we're never forceful with Jesus, right? Jesus is not forceful with us. We're not forceful with people. Our job is not to go around getting notches on our belt. We got people saved. By the way, it's Jesus who saves. He's drawing people to him. But you're going to start by saying, can I share my story? Who doesn't want to hear a good story, especially a BC story, right? Can I tell you a story about my life before I had my encounter with God? But in that story, you're going to say a couple things. And these are important, and and I'm kind of giving some steps. This is from the teaching that I do. Um, that I do a class, what would Jesus do? No, what would Jesus do? Doing what Jesus did and uh, really helping people know how to bring people to Christ. So you're going to say, the main thing that caused me to look to God is this. So there was something in life, and you think about it right now, in your own story, you probably had something going on in your life at the time that made you open to Christ, right? Probably. If you were saved as a kid, maybe not so. But if you got saved as an adult, you probably had something going on in your life that maybe a divorce, a hardship, lost a job, usually something very significant that this is what allowed you to be open. Then you say things like this. The prayer that changed my life was this. So you're going to say, 
so-and-so introduced me to Jesus. And, and the prayer that he had me pray or she had me pray was, was kind of like this. And why that's important is because you can't ever get to the place of saying, hey, uh, would you like this, Jesus? Let me pray with you. They don't, they don't have any clue what you're going to say next. And they're going to run away. <laughs> it's like, I don't know about you. What are you going to say? Because people who don't know Jesus have a lot of obstacles to overcome. But if you said, if you said this, the prayer that changed my life was like this, and then you just go on and say, in my situation, there was a friend of my brother's in my living room. He came over, and I was like, two weeks ago, be prior to that, I said, God, if you're real, you better prove yourself to me. I grew up in the church, but I didn't live for Jesus. I knew Jesus, but I didn't know what his word said. I was kind of like dead to him, but I kind of believed, but I didn't really have the power to believe. A friend of my brother's came in and said, you know, you just need to ask for forgiveness for all this stupid stuff that you've done. Like, really that easy? Yeah, I just start listing it off. I remember I was in a, one, a bedroom. We were sitting just in a private place. I lived in a little two-bedroom house at the time, and, and my wife was there, my brother was there. So we just sat in a bed, just had a conversation with a friend of my brother's. It was, and he was just like, I just started sharing all this stuff. And I just started weeping. And the prayer was like, I'm sorry, God, I, I, I didn't realize how much this hurt you. And I didn't realize how much I was in bondage I've been. And, and I, I just want to make you a part of my life. Can I, can I ask you into my life? That was it. But then this is what you need to say. What was your life like after you accepted Jesus into your life? Because it will change, because it is real, and there really is something that takes place. And you so, since I gave my life to Jesus, this is what happened to me. Life's not perfect, I have ups and downs, but you know what? I have a peace that I can't understand. You know what? All of a sudden, the Bible started coming alive for me. All of a sudden, I wasn't carrying this weight around, and, and I didn't have all these crazy thoughts all the time. And, but Jesus did that. You share those things. And you say, he did this for me and he will do this for you. Would you like this? Would you like to know this, Jesus? And then you just say, let's pray. Can I pray with you? And see, now they already know what it is that that prayer is going to look like. They know that you're not going to get all like spooky and do something weird, right? Um, it's quite simple. It's nothing weird. It's very relational. We know it's Jesus is the answer. So if Jesus is the answer and people gave us the opportunity to know Christ, why aren't we giving other people the opportunity to know Jesus? Mark 15, 16, 16, sorry, Mark 16, 15 says this. Sixteen fifteen. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Then it goes on to say, And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands and they will drink deadly poison. Don't tell people they're going to drink deadly poison. They will think you're crazy. It will, and it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. Mark 16, 
The important one, though, is go into all the world. This is, we call this the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. I, I want to ask you, when's the last time you proclaimed the gospel? Not to all of the whole creation, but just to a friend, just to a coworker. Have you shared your story? Have you had an opportunity to have some Jesus conversations? It's my heart that New Hampshire will not stay at 2%. It's my heart that every child who does not have a parent to love them will have a parent to love them. It's my child, it's my prayer that that there's not people out there alone struggling with addiction, not knowing that they have solutions and answers and people who aren't going to judge them, but people are going to love them. It's my prayer that we don't have little kindergartners saying incredibly violent things to teachers. My prayer is that people would find Jesus and homes would be restored and families would be brought back together and peace and joy contentment and grace and love would prevail in this great state of New Hampshire and in our homes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, my heart is saddened by all these latest news. Just tragedy of the hopelessness that is just so prevalent in our world. It's, it feels like it feels like something has just been released in our atmosphere of hopelessness. And Jesus, you are the answer, and we are the the solution. And I think that's the way you planned it, because you gave us the great commission to go into all the world, to go. And it starts in a home, then it goes to our neighbor, goes to our workplace goes to our family and friends, go. Proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news of Jesus, that there is hope and there's freedom in Jesus' name. Give us the courage to have Jesus' conversations this week and the weeks to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. So remember, it takes found people to find the lost And the lost are only found when find people, found people find them. Will you be the found people who find people and allow them not to be lost anymore? Will that be you? It will be you, because I believe in you. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 